What is going on, guys? I am so excited for today's episode. We have uh, kind of a genesis of sort. We're doing our very first book review with uh, Matt Lesser and his book, Unsatisfied. I'm so excited. This book is amazing. I'm excited for you guys to hear from Matt. Let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. What's going on? What's going on? Well, of course, we got Kyler with us. What's hey, going on, Kyler? What's up? All right, and I want to introduce Matt Lesser. What's going on, Matt? How you doing? Proud Good. to be a part of the show. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. This is this is exciting. This is, this is exciting for everybody. I'm sure it's exciting for you getting to promote your book. It's exciting for us to have you on here. And um, this is this is really the first time we've ever done anything like this. And uh, I was so excited after I had read your book. I was like, this is. I am so glad that we're going to have him on here and talk about this because the the whole thing, your, your story, the you, you know, just your faith in Jesus Christ and all this. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing, and so we are really looking forward to to hearing about it. So, um, before we get started, just give us give us your you know where did where did this book come from, you you know? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, and I appreciate the question. It's uh, so a lot of it came out of my own story, you know. It just uh, it it was one of those things that had been kind of percolating in my head for about literally about a decade. And then, uh, and about five years before I started writing, it was one of those things that literally I said, God, I don't want to write this. And I literally prayed, take away this desire to write this book because I knew how hard it would be to write a book. I'd never done that before. And, um, I knew how much harder it was to get it published. And, and, and it was one of those things. Every time I prayed, I got more clarity. And so I got to the point of saying, okay, I'm not even going to pray about this because every time I pray, I'm getting the wrong answer here. And so, um, so, but, uh, it, it just came to a, um, the, the final catalyst for starting to write was I had a lunch, uh, with a good friend of mine. And by that point I had developed, uh, most of the model that's in the book. I call it the flourishing life model. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not have the top piece, the word flourishing. I did not have that. And I had lunch with this good friend and he used the word flourishing. And literally the rest of the lunch, I was, I, I, did, I, I have no clue what else we talked about <laughs> because I was so captured by that word mm-hmm. that I literally said, tell me about that word. What do you mean by that? And so he told me, but then I did, I went out and did a whole research study on just that one word. How mm-hmm. has it been used? Why is it used? And, and that was the final, that was the final one. Um, I then started writing the book, but, uh, and it's really a twofold book. It's it's a it's a it's a call to action uh-huh. to live an intentional life. Yes, um, and that came from working with leaders literally all over the world, uh, U.S., Europe, and Africa primarily, uh-huh. and hearing their story over and over and over again. It was the same story of here I have I've spent most of my life building this thing. Usually, this thing was a business uh-huh. um, or something that, that was related to their own personal empire, if you will. And, and now here I am, oftentimes they were in their 60s, maybe late 50s, 60s, and they would say, I sacrificed everything. Usually sacrificed everything meant they sacrificed their marriages and their kids. Mm-hmm. I sacrificed that to build this, thinking that this thing, this business, would give me everything that I was hoping for. Uh, freedom, flexibility, money, power, title, position, 
whatever it was they thought would bring them lasting happiness and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they were a complete disaster. They were a wreck. They were in tears. And they often, and they, they finished their story by telling me if I could just do it over again, I would do it so much differently. Right. Well, that was at a time when my own story was starting to collide with theirs. And so it's like, okay, somebody has to write this book. Somebody has to tell the story. And I wanted to share my own story about my life and going through my depression, working in a family business that I didn't necessarily plan on doing yes. and, and on and on. And so, and I'll pop this book. I, I say that it didn't really pop out. I mean, over a, over a multi-year yeah. process, this <laughs> right. book was written. So yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, as I was going through this, there was, there was a key word that I continued to, I, every time I seen mm. it, I, I underlined it. And as a matter of fact, we ended up doing a podcast on this. Um, our last podcast was actually on this word, but it was intentionality. Yeah. Every every time, every every, it seemed like it popped up on almost every page. Intentionality, <laughs> and I was like, "This is this is so spot on," you know, because uh, as men, as you as you know, it, sometimes we just expect things to change, right? Yeah. And, and you point out in your book how it, it, you know, if you want change, if you want to go to the next step, if you want to go to you, you know whatever step you're in, if you're if yep. you're looking to go to the next step in the model, it's got to be intentional. Tell us a little bit yes. about that, that that gear in this book. Absolutely. That is the word that was the key. And I, I'm so, I, actually, it, it does my heart really good. Uh, I'm humbled and I'm honored that you said that because that was the key message that I want to get across in this book is about living life intentionally. Yes. Um, the, the overwhelming message that I got from these leaders, uh, most of them men, some of them women, um, was that, you know, they, they almost felt helpless. They felt like they lived their life by accident. You know, when they said, I wish I could have done it over if I could do it over again. And so I want to get this message out to people right now to say, if, if you, if you're not satisfied with your life, if you're not where you think you are, or if you've sacrificed everything and it's costing you your marriage or it's costing your relationship with your kids or grandkids, you don't have to continue on that path. Right. You know, I, I use the analogy in the book about your, that, that I believe that God gives us the pen to write our story. Now mm -hmm. he's with us the entire time, mm -hmm. but he gives us the pen to write the story. And if we don't like the story that we're writing, then he also gives us the free will to say, I'm going to put a period right here, turn the page and start a brand new ending to the book. Now what's already been written has been written. I can't change that. Right. But I have the power I, to, to live, make an intentional decision right now, today, at this moment, to turn the page and start writing the story so it ends the way that I want it to end. That's, man, that's, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Um, Kyler, you got any questions? So, yeah, I got a few. Although I'm the, I'm the rogue one, so I have questions written down. They're like, oh, wait, I want to ask this one. So, sorry in advance. Um, <laughs> Do it. But during, during the process, I mean, this was a long process. This book came out. Um, were you writing it over COVID? Um, I started writing during COVID. Yes. Okay. So what, were there any times, I mean, that's, that was a hard process even to write through. Cause I mean, everything was closing down, but was there a time where you just wanted to shut it down where you're just like, I'm done. I, I can't finish this book. I don't want to finish this book Has everything in this. I mean, there's this, you talk about some pretty hard concepts in this book. I mean, while you're going through this book, I just picturing you also going from, you know, this, this aspect to like flourishing in a whole new level so was there a time yeah. where you you sought out in this book you going from diminishing to flourishing oh absolutely and all over the place too you know it was 
there were during the writing of this book, I um, I was experiencing pretty much all those levels: diminishing, surviving, striving, thriving, and flourishing. Um, but yes, there were many times, Kyler, that I would say, you know, God, I'm done. I'm not writing this book. And there are also many times that I'm like, God, this isn't the book I want to write. Mm-hmm. I wanted to write a book on leadership. I wanted to write a book to leaders about leadership. Mm-hmm. And I would write a little bit and I'd literally, I, I would close my laptop and I would, I would literally yell. I would be, I would, I, oftentimes if it was a nice evening, whatever, I'd write outside and I would yell at God and say, this isn't the freaking book I want to write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't what, what's happening here. Right. And literally he would say, keep writing. Just keep writing. Be faithful. Keep writing. I mean, it was it was nothing more than that. Just keep writing. Keep yeah. writing. And and so yeah, there's many times that I that I felt that way. I love. I like how you put it that way because there are times, even in our own walks, that we we kind of tell God, "This is not the story I want to tell. I want to tell this <laughs> story." And I mean, just imagine how if you would have wrote that book on leadership, I'm sure He could have blessed that, and He would have blessed that. But the work that He's doing now, just because you you practice simple obedience, that you just stopped yeah. and you said, "Okay, God, I'll." I'll I don't want to do this. This is not something I want to do because God's plan isn't something we always we want to do. We know it's for the best, but it's not always what we want to do. So, I mean, that's just awesome and how and how you just you stop. Because I, I wanted to point that out because writing a book is not easy. I mean, it takes Go. time. It takes intentionality, like you said. I mean, and in this book, there was um, a process behind it. Describe that process. I mean, you have three different parts to this book. How, how did you come up with each of those parts? Oh, Wow. Um, you know, I, I wish I could say that when I started out writing that I had this master plan and this wonderful outline to how to write this book. Right. Um, I didn't have any of that. Um, so I literally started writing the book by just telling my story. And and then that led to, okay, and I, I had this idea about this 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 flourishing life model. And I, I honestly had no idea how I was going to integrate the story I wanted to tell with that model. But then the third part of the book on integration, that literally was... Um, I wanted that part to be practical and implementable because I did not want to have another book that was strictly just philosophy and concept. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to be able to say, okay, listen, you've just told the story, you've told the model, you've said, you know, live a life and intention, live an intentional life. Okay, how? How do I do that? Right. And and so that's where the third part was. And honestly, it was an afterthought in some regard because um, by the time I got to the third part, I was burned out. I was out of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, God knew what he was doing. And he gave me an editor because I didn't have an editor when I was writing the book. It wasn't until I had the manuscript finished and he gave me an editor and she was, she happened to be a believer. <laughs> and, and, and so as we talked through it, um, she literally said, what happened in part three? And I said, I just ran out of gas. And she's like, yeah, it's obvious. Part three is terrible. <laughs> you always have brutal that voice of reason. It was brutal, um, but she gave me ideas and she helped coach me through how to write part three mm-hmm. to integrate the first two parts. Um, but without her, I don't honestly know what would have happened. Wow. Wow. So you have been, you, you know, like you were talking to, you've been all over the world. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's even in your book, you know, how you've been in different businesses and you've done different things and your model that you see here, how often do you find people in areas of so-called success, right, the, uh, from a world point of view, living a diminishing life in the natural? So, um, unfortunately, I think you see it more than we might recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just when you have, and especially COVID changed society in many ways. Yes, it did. 
and, and I think we see now, um, I think we, I think what happened with COVID, it helped remove some of those blinders. It may have helped tear off some of the things that we, um, we kind of knew were there, but we didn't necessarily have to acknowledge. And I think one of them is this, this whole concept of being diminished and, mm-hmm. you know, people that have just kind of given up on life of saying, you know what, I'm not even going to try anymore. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, screw it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, whatever happens, happens, I'm going to exist. And if I live fine, if I die fine, you know, and, and sometimes it really is that drastic. It's like, I don't care if I get up today and I don't live. Right. Um, and I think that's really is. And we, and I think there's, and there's people all around us that are really, really struggling emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And, and, um, and I think we have a, I think we have a, a higher call and a, a call to action to try to help them realize there is so much more to live for. Yes. Yes, there is. You know, people put so much stock in, in what the world calls success, you know, having money and, and power, you know, they, they look at people like Andrew Tate and, and, you know, and that's, that's, you know, that's success. And, uh, and it's so much more than that. And, and you really point that out in your book. Um, you know, when you start talking about really flourishing versus just even even a, a natural, you you know, um, natural success in a in a in a world's eyes, you know, the the difference between flourishing and, and even yeah. even striving. Yeah. In chapter two, you start out with, and I I I like how you start out with, you have to burn the ships. Yes, oh, and it took me a little bit because there's a song about burning the ships i was like what does that even mean and then you it was funny because right after i had heard that song and then started reading this book and i was like oh that's what that means but <laughs> why is that so crucial at the beginning why is that because i mean to me th- these are the steps they need to follow because i'm a very i you lay down the line and follow each step step by step by step but why is that so important for a beginning step i think it's important for a beginning step um, because you're removing other options. Uh-huh. As long as you have a plan B that you think is a legitimate plan B, then you may or may not give plan A all the attention, the energy, and the focus that it should have. Because you're like, well, I'm going to try to do this thing here. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, that's okay because I can just go to plan B. And, you know, and for some people, Kyler, I must say that has to be the case for everybody. Uh-huh. But for people who are driven and wired, at least like me, mm-hmm. I had to come to the place of saying, you know what? I am removing all other options. This is it. Mm-hmm. I am pursuing this all in. I, and I'm going to say, okay, God, you want me to step out in faith? You want me to live by faith? I'm going to do that. It's going to be as hard as heck, and, but I'm going to remove all other options. Mm-hmm. And I think otherwise, at least for me, I would not have been living in faith because I would have always had this other fallback. Well, that's okay, yes. I can just go do this other thing, right? Yeah. And so it's it's really saying, okay, God, you want to be to live by faith, trust in you, believe in you, help, and it literally, I can't tell you how many days I pray to this day, God, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Right, yeah, and that's even Because biblical. I still struggle. Yeah, that's yeah. even biblical. You look at, um, oh, what was his name? Jesus was going to um, to heal his daughter you know, yeah. and, you know, and he's like, Jairus. you know, if he, yeah, Jairus, you know, he's like, if you believe, he's like, I believe, help my own belief. That's so, it, that's so beautifully put in because we, so many times it's like we have doubt and it's like Satan uses that doubt. No, you, you had doubt, you're done. 
You, you no longer yeah. can do that. And it's like, no, I no, I know, I know my God is good. I know that he's big. I know that he's capable, you know, but I also have a flesh, you know, I had, <laughs> um, uh, uh, very different than, than your story, but I, the Lord called me to start my own business, right? I was, I was working at a factory. We were doing good and different things like that. And the Lord's like, Hey, I want you to step out. And I'm like, Lord, but I don't want to step out. I've got a 401k. I, I'm, I, you know, I've got a good salary, you know, I've got all this good stuff and you know, I've got six kids. If this thing fails, I can't, you know, like it doesn't work to, yeah. you, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? And, uh, and I remember God being like, Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you. And, and I, I, I pushed it off for months, right? I just pushed it off and drug, drug my feet and drug my feet to the point I was absolutely miserable because I knew I didn't yeah. belong there. I knew what God was calling me to do. I was miserable at work. And, um, and finally I stepped out and I bombed <laughs> and I was like, God, um, you know, what do we, you know, what are we doing? I know this is what you wanted me to do. And then what I thought, what, what I was supposed to do, right. Led to another thing that led to another thing to, to where now, you know, I, I'm running a, well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily successful, but I'm able to pay my bills. So that's a good thing. That's, <laughs> you a, good know, thing. that's a good thing. But, but, uh, you, you know, but God, what God had done through that, you know, the, the, even the podcast, you, you know, come out of that obedience, you know, the, the men's ministry that we run and, and, and all that stuff all was birthed. There was so much ministry that was birthed out of that. And uh, it was fantastic. Matt, That's this cool. is going so well, man. And I appreciate you being here. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, I've got some more questions for you. All right. We'll be right, right back after great. this. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by the Jewelers Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house, so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed Citizen Watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 Northwestwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. Okay, no problem. Who was that on the phone, dear? That was the pastor of the church around the corner. He was just wondering if it was okay to stop by for a quick visit. I told him sure. You told him what? A pastor coming over here? Yeah, we're not doing anything. Sometimes we get nervous when we're around someone we consider more righteous than ourselves. Quick, you hide the magazines, I'll lock the movie drawer. Do what? And watch your language. Watch my language? Kids, stay in there and do not come out until we say. Okay. Dear, it's just a pastor. He's just dropping by for a quick visit. Maybe we need to get rid of all of our champagne. Dear, we only have sparkling cider. Oh, well that explains a lot. If you feel the need to clean up your act around a righteous person, think what it'll be like to stand before a righteous God. Jesus died so we can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God and stand before Him unashamed. Have you trusted Jesus with your life? Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. 
This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, and we are back. We are so excited we're back here with Matt Lesser. And um, I've got so I've got a question for you. I'm gonna jump right into to a tough one here. So as I was reading through your book, uh, there was a there was a space you were telling your story and you talked mm-hmm. about going a you were in a really dark time and you talked about going to seeing a friend and then as soon as you got home your mom you, you know got was like hey let's let's go for a cup of tea and yeah. um you know you were talking about you know and something that he had said that you, you kind of you kind of paraphrased the 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 uh conversation you thought that they would have had on the phone and he's he and you would have thought he'd said something like you know if if you don't do something he's not going to be here tomorrow and so kind of run us through that. I know that may be a little bit painful, but kind of run us through that. No, oh, happy to. Um, so when my, I'll go back just a little bit. So um, when I graduated from, I went to school for uh, for business. I graduated from college and um, I really had no intentions of working in the family business, but I needed a job. And, uh, and so a little, about a year and a half into that, I actually went in to resign and told my dad, you know, listen, Hey, listen, one of, one of us needs to go. All right. We're oil and water. And I don't think you're going to go because you own the stock. So I'm leaving. And he actually flipped the table on me and he left and he divorced my mom. They've been buried for 29 years and he moved 1200 miles away. My middle brother moved with him and, uh, and he signed the business over to me. Well, that should have been a red flag, um, but here I was, you know, I was a 25-year-old kid and, um, you know, cocky and arrogant and hadn't experienced enough life yet to know better. And uh, and the business uh, immediately began to fall in hard times. I mean, big, and I just encountered one problem after another. With each problem, I got sicker and sicker and sicker, and I spiraled into a clinical depression. I had panic attacks. I didn't know any of this terminology. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping, anxiety, panic attacks. And so to the point that I was going to take my own life. And that's where the morning that I, I decided to take my life, I actually went into my office. I hadn't been in my office at that point for probably three months mm-hmm. and uh, was going to write three letters, one to my mom, one to my my uh, my little brother, and then one to my bride, who we've been married at that point for just a little over a year. And, uh, and before I did, mm-hmm. I had this thought that I had a life insurance policy that my parents took out of me when I was a kid, but I knew nothing about it. And so rather than calling my life insurance agent, who was a family friend of my mom's for many, many years, Mm -hmm. I drove to his office and I walked into his office. He happened to be in that day. I spent 15 minutes with him at most Mm -hmm. and was asking questions. I was looking for a suicide exclusion clause. I don't remember ever using that word though. And I left, drove back to my office. When I got back to my office, it picks up where you talked about my mom greeted me at the door, said, hey, let's go have tea. I did not find out until years later um, what happened after I left his office. I left his office. He picked up the phone and he called her and he just said, Jean, her name was Jean. Jean, 
I just saw your son. I know that things are a mess. I know that your husband left. I know his dad left. Things are just an absolute mess, but none of that matters right now because I just saw your son. And if you don't do something today, he will not be here tomorrow. Mm. And that's what prompted her then to pick the phone up and call the only other person that she knew of that went through something like that Mm -hmm. about a decade prior to when I went through it. And that's the person that she took me to see that afternoon. Wow. Well, it, it, just shortly after that, after you talk about going and seeing this person and getting help, you know, you, you mentioned that your wife didn't know anything about so, about this. And you, and you talk about being, you know, the, you thought you had to be macho. You thought you had to hide all that stuff in. And I, I really want to point out this point because as, as a man, as men, this is, this is how we operate, right? Th- this is a global problem in, in a man's life. It's, culture has told us that we are we are to keep these things in we are to hide these things we're not supposed to let you know show any weakness we're not supposed to show any things and and i love how vulnerable you were you know at at that point and being able to because so many men need to hear that kind of kind of expand on that a little bit please yeah happy to yeah i so I, again, I didn't know what it was to, I honestly, I didn't know what it was to be a man. You know, it's, it's, I was just kind of, you know, haphazardly going through life. My dad hadn't really been around since I was probably in middle school. And, you know, here I was, I was married, married my, literally my elementary school sweetheart. Uh, we did all through high school and college. And, and so we're going through this hard time and I had no idea what it was to invite her into this. Uh-huh. I had no idea what it was to do life with her. You know, instead, you know, I had these, they had these messed up images of what it was to be yes. a man. And I thought it was, well, I got to be macho and I got to be the knight in sharding armor. And there's uh-huh. no, you know, I can't ever let any have any problems or ever let my, you know, ever let uh, everybody, they, nobody ever let me, what, the old, old commercials of you never let them see you sweat. Right. Right. And, and so those were the, those are the lies that I believed. And so I was doing the best I could to try to protect my wife. I thought I was protecting her from it. I later learned when she was finally brought into it. And then she and I were in counseling together for six years. Mm-hmm. And so very grateful for that because that allowed us then to b- rebuild and build a new foundation that we would have never had otherwise, probably. Yes. Um, and so that's where I began to learn that being a husband means about doing life with my wife. Mm-hmm. It isn't about doing it separately from her. Being a real man means I can admit when I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I can admit when I'm freaking out. I can admit when, you know what, I don't have the answers. It's okay to say, I just don't know. Right. And, and before that time, I would have said, I'm not allowed to say any of that stuff. It's okay to let my wife see me cry. Mm-hmm. And up till that point, I, she did not. So, so my wife knew there were problems, but she had no, the way she would describe it is, is that she described it as that if she felt like that I was living inside this glass house where she could see inside and she could see that people were talking and she could see there were problems but she couldn't hear any of the conversation. So she really had no clue as to the scope and the context of what was going on. Yeah. You know, counseling men and, and different things like that. Like I, I, I do sometimes I hear, I hear almost that exact analogy sometimes Both. from wives, you know, it's like, you know, they, they can see through a glass and, but they have no idea, you know, who they are on the other side or, you know, or what's going on on the other side of that glass. And, and we yeah. do we so many times as men we we struggle with that and it, it's it, it is a culture problem is what it is we have, it is. they have created a a culture issue and so man i i appreciate you being um 
vulnerable on that. And I think that it's much needed. Men that, that dig into this book, they, they will need to hear that. It's a great job. Kyler? Yeah, thank you. So I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit and point yep. out a couple of things. When I was reading the book, first off that one, I, I teach for a living. That's what I do. And nice. I actually, a couple of weeks ago, dealt with a kid who wanted to take his own life. So that one kind oh, of hit a little bit closer to home. And so, but it's important that you you told the whole story. You didn't stop at that. You told how God orchestrated <laughs> somebody to come in and talk to you. Somebody who yeah, was going to kind of be your, your, your guardian <laughs> angel, I guess per se. I mean, <laughs> going in and talking about a life insurance policy, I mean, it sent, it sent some red flags up for a little bit, but that they felt comfortable enough to say, I need to do something about this. And that's just, it's the God that we serve. It, yeah. He's so loving and so caring that he's going to try to give us the best in life. And you, you say this in the last part of your book is the, the importance of telling your story is and making sure that people know, because that's how God uses us is how we are. We, that's how he, his love is shown is through us and yes. how we are received. And so I just love, I, I just want to say thank you for putting that in the book, for being vulnerable enough, because as men, we don't want to do that. Mm. And that second part where you were working with your wife, it brings out what we've talked about before in the podcast is you then got to work in unity. You got to work together. Yeah. Me and my wife had many conversations about covering of, of how you cover each other. And then when we were allowed to open up as men, when we allow our wives in to talk to us, to, to work through our emotions, that helps provide an extra layer of covering mm. that in the spiritual Absolutely. realm, you become warriors together. So yep. in, in that moment, when, when you allowed, I guess, help to come in, how did that change your spiritual life too? Oh my word. Um, I, I guess, <laughs> how didn't it? <laughs> I told you I go rogue sometimes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 I, I don't, I can try to answer that question, Kyler, but the reality is, is that everything changed. Um, my whole view of God began to change. I had such a, my narrative of God up until that point was a God that I knew was there, <laughs> that I knew um, could choose to intervene and could protect me. I went through a very rare blood disease in my early teenage years, uh -huh. mm -hmm. and God got me through that. And that was where I met God from a personal, that's where I, that's where I first owned my faith and say, okay, you know what? Accepting my faith because my parents have the same faith doesn't cut it. Right. I have to own my faith for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that happened. But my, my, my narrative of God was so skewed and so messed up. I viewed God as this judgmental cosmic being who was just waiting to, you know, waiting to just hit me over the head every time I sinned and every time I screwed up, I didn't, I didn't view God as a God of grace, a God of mercy or a God of love. And I certainly didn't view him as a God of, um, of, of personal relationship. Okay. I just didn't view him that way. I viewed him as untouchable. And so as, as people began to come into my life and I was in a, such a, I was in a place where, you know, when I went to meet with that gentleman who went through a depression as well, at the end of our time together, he did not say, I'll fix it. He could have, he's a very successful businessman, very wealthy. He could have written a check to cover everything and it would not, it would have been a rounding error for him, but he didn't do that. And I'm grateful he didn't. Yeah. Instead, what he said was, I will walk with you through this. Yeah. And that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> and he did. And it was faithful. He was by my side. He got me help. He got me. He, he met with me. He mentored me. And as these men poured into my life, there was about a half dozen men then who came around me 
And as they began to pour into my life, I began to see Jesus in a completely different way through these men. Yes. And now my view of God today is, oh my gosh, I, I, I serve a God who is who loves me, who has a great sense of humor. I mean, I, <laughs> yes, there, there are many times I'll be talking with him and I'll, I literally will hear him say, are you serious right now? Really? <laughs> and, and, and so it's, it's, um, so I just view God so differently. It, it completely changed my, my mindset about who he is. Yes. And it still is affecting me to this day. Yeah. It's something, something that you said there that I really want to yeah. expand on is the, the, the men that come and surrounded you. You know, something that I iterate to the men in my men's group and the men that I talk to is the importance of having men in their lives to pour into them, to surround, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, um, you know, not even Jesus walked through this life by himself. And, um, and, you know, and so we all need somebody. Can you, can you just elaborate just a little bit for the listeners about how that those men helped you heal and grow um yes absolutely i think the the biggest thing for me was i did not trust men because of uh my dad Mm -hmm. i didn't trust men and honestly i didn't feel like men um loved me uh or that i was worthy of a man's love and so when these men came around me in, in such a time where I, I had nothing to offer. Um, I could not repay anything that they were willing to do. Um, they just literally met me where I was, accepted me for who I was, flaws and all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a mess. I mean, I was a complete wreck. Mm-hmm. And and they just loved me. And and they loved me right where I was. And I, I talked to this, they loved me right where I was, but they loved me enough to not let me stay there. Right. And they just began coaching me and they began, as you say, iron sharpening iron in meeting with them. And as I got healthier, as I got stronger, you know, they, they just began to teach me, you know, many times I would just be like, can I just, can I just sit at your feet for an hour and just ask you questions or just talk? Can I just sit in a meeting with you and observe, you know, can I just um, do whatever? And I just wanted to learn what does it mean to be a man, a man of God? And what does it mean then to be a man of God in the marketplace? And how do I integrate my faith? You know, one of these men was an attorney, um, loved the man dearly. He passed away several years ago, but he loved the Lord. And he's the one who first taught me the whole concept about integrating your faith in everything that you do, integrating your faith in your work. And that revolutionized my whole thought of, oh my word, I can be a missionary in the marketplace. I don't have to be at a church. That's right. Yeah. And that's, man, that's awesome. You know, cause so many times we, we want to be lone wolves, you yes. know, and I, and I feel that, that Satan plays on that. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I tell men all the time, I can always, I can always tell, I can always tell when something's wrong because we isolate ourselves. Right. Yep. Every time. And, and, you know, and, and I'll go up to him and be like, Hey, everything. All right. And I get those dreaded words. I'm fine. And I can I, and every time I'm like, no, you're not. What's wrong? You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's 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 like a it's like a script. You, you mean that, that they're following, and, and we we play into that so much. And and the reason why one a godly man is dangerous to Satan. Yep. You know, and so he knows that if he can isolate him, you know, the 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 the, the isolated one, the the weak one, is easy prey. 
you, you know, yeah. when, when we're when we're our own, you, you know, and stuff like that, you, you know, and that's something that we <laughs> reiterate supremely um, a lot here. You know, the, the whole the whole purpose behind this podcast is to build godly, courageous men to build leaders oh, man. in their Love in it. their homes, in their communities, and in their churches. You know, that's that's the, the that's the 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 voice of of this podcast. And, uh, and so, man, it was, that, that was, that was so good. That was good. Matt, man, I'm telling you, I, I, I love the book. I read the book. I love the book. Guys, you should go get this book. Thank you. Unsat, uh, unsatisfied. Tell us how they, how they can get a hold of you. Yep. Um, so my website is www.uniquelynormal.com. Uh, my email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at uniquelynormal.com. And uh, you can find all the information there about this book. I have a second book coming out in October. It's a it's a follow up, but it's written more towards leaders and organizational leadership. It's called it's called Unengaged: Building Flourishing Organizations. So there'll be more information about that and a link to where you can get that. Uh, Unsatisfied is available on Amazon, and so you can look it up there. Yeah, and we'll put all that stuff in the show notes and and your website cool. and all that good stuff. We'll put in the show notes. Thank Matt, you. Any any uh, any closing words you want to give? Choose to live life intentionally. It's, there's no other way. Live life intentionally and live it and live it all in for Jesus Christ. There's Amen. no other way to live. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Listen, if you got if you got any questions about what you heard today, you want to get more information about Matt, we're gonna be in the show notes. You can also email us at realmen at palaceofpraise.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, know that Jesus is for you. He wants to see you su- succeed. He he loves you. And, um, and as always, I want to end in a prayer. Holy Spirit, guide us to be leaders of our homes, of our communities, and of our churches, and teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen at palaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk.
If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.